0: And this is Chuck Wolf, and you're listening to the Emotion Roadmap. Take the Wheel and Control How You Feel. And this is my first time in the new studio. Uh, I think I said a number of times, as a number of programmers have, that hey, that was my last time in 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 the University of Bridgeport. And now we're we're here on Fairfield Avenue in Bridge in, in downtown Bridgeport. And it's exciting to be here, folks. This is my first show in December in this new studio. And uh I hope we get some callers today. If you want, you've been waiting to talk to me, and you have something on your mind. that shows the emotion roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. If I can help you to take the wheel around something going on in your life, give me a call. I'll give you the number right away: two zero three, three three six nine seven five six. I'm anxious to try the the new phones. It's really exciting to have uh, brand new phones. I. I joked with some of my uh, colleagues and friends here at the station that uh feels like we've gone from uh, the Flintstones to the Jetsons here in the studio. <laughs> anyway, uh, you can see behind me that some of the shelves, if you're watching on YouTube later, uh, some of the shelves aren't filled yet. Um, we've got a lot of tr- unbelievable amount of effort and volunteerism that went into a lot of people working very hard to get down here and, and make this all happen in a timely basis. And so thanks to everybody who did so much work. I want to thank Rod Richardson for training me on the board this morning and uh, helping me uh, set up here and get, get myself started in this new, in this new place in this new time um, in in terms of uh, being in a place that we've never been before. It's the first time in this new studio. And for me in broadcasting and it's just a very exciting moment. So thanks for listening, everybody. Again, the show's The Emotion Roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. I'm Chuck Wolf. Uh, the reason the show is called The Emotion Roadmap is because I have some expertise that I've developed over 20 plus years now of working in this field called emotional intelligence. This idea of how can I be more intelligent about emotions, my own and others? How do I do that? And I conceived of this concept called an emotion roadmap. A lot of people have talked about emotional intelligence and things you can do to be better at emotional intelligence. Mostly what they want you to be is self-aware. I always, I always smile when I hear somebody say, well, the first thing you need to know is you need to be self-aware. And I I just think people that say that it just make me smile because uh, it's not like that's news that we need to be self-aware because I think the first time someone really talked about that, that was, um, that we know about anyway was Aristotle So it's been around for a long time, this idea of being self-aware. But the big question for everybody is, so now that I am self-aware, what do I do different? What can I do about things that I'm concerned about in terms of my own behaviors and some of the thoughts and feelings that I have? How do I change any of that? And so the show's tagline is take the wheel and control how you feel. So I walk people through this idea of if you're feeling something emotionally, that for whatever reason you find not helpful, then you kind of are stuck if you have the mental thought process that suggests that if you're feeling something that isn't helpful, too bad. You just got to deal with it and push through. That's how a lot of people approach feelings. And one of the things I discovered when I worked with the real pioneers in emotional intelligence I I discovered that you can actually change how you feel. And rather than just randomly changing how you feel, I mean, so what, what do you want to feel? Well, I want to feel happy. I want to feel happy all the time. Well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> but what do I want to feel based on what? Based on what you're trying to get done. Based on the conversation you need to have, the decision you need to make, um, the job choice, uh, the the interaction that you have coming up with a colleague, boss, friend, person who works for you, that's going to be tough, that has some elements in it that you're worried about, that they might escalate emotionally into something not helpful, maybe worse than what the situation is currently. So when you have all that kind of stuff churning inside of you, what do you do with those emotions? So that's why I think it's so important to provide people with a way to change how you feel, to something more positive more positive that's actually helpful for what you're trying to get done. And I like to use the example of, you know, if I've got a talk to give, you know, uh, most of you know that I do keynote speeches about different things, different places. And my most recent one I was, I think I've shared on the radio before was I did a, a talk for the Consortium for Research on Emotional Intelligence and Organizations. And it was a similar talk to what I gave in the business school in Bologna, Italy, uh, not too long ago, all this was over zoom. So it's easy to do these things without having to travel. But, um, it was on women in in senior leadership roles and why there aren't more women in senior leadership and what's the business case for senior leadership, uh, for women in senior leadership. And there is one. And so I was looked at the topics I look at often don't really flesh out the emotional underpinnings of why, We don't have more women in senior leadership roles. There's nothing rational about that. It's more about emotions. And emotions aren't the same for everybody, but there are themes, emotional themes. Just is one example of something that in a talk that I gave that shows you how emotions can play a role here. One of the things that women are often, in terms of research, now not every woman fits this category, but in terms of research, most women to not advocate strongly for themselves when negotiating for salaries or, you know, positions in in organizations when they're first joining or for promotions later on. Uh, And you think that an answer to that, a rational answer, if women are not strong negotiators, at least not as strong as men, generally speaking, that you would provide them with negotiations training. Now that would be a logical, rational thought process. Well, it turns out that There are women, as you might expect, who are strong negotiators for themselves. But when they negotiate strongly for themselves, they're criticized in ways that are different than men. Men often are expected to advocate strongly for themselves in negotiating either positions or salary or whatever. But women, no. That's an emotional issue. That's not a training issue. So just to say women need to be better advocates for themselves, they need to be stronger negotiators for themselves. But when they do, they're punished or criticized. That's not rational. And so that's why I look at things a little differently, I think, than most people do. When I talk about emotional intelligence, I really talk about how do emotions impact our lives. And so when I get callers who call in, if you're new to the show, you you don't know this, but when when you call in, I try to help you with Something you're dealing with in the workplace, something you might de- be dealing with at home, something in your community, in your neighborhood, in a group that you belong to, in a religious organization, wherever you might be having some struggles, almost always when smart people are stuck. And I think everybody who listens to my show has, has to be a smart person. <laughs> and, and for those of you that are regular listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. This is the beginning of my 13th year. You know, when I came here for 1999, in December, I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll be here a year or two. Maybe, then I thought maybe five years. And then I thought maybe 10 years. This is my 13th year here. And I'm glad I got to see and be a part of this transition to this new studio. It's been, it's been wonderful to, to see how hard everybody worked to pull it together. So kudos to the general manager, Steve DeConstanza, and all the people that did so much work to make this happen kind of a shout out to Val Richardson too who was sort of uh, in in a couple of different ways was program director had some role in helping with the volunteers scheduling people to to get the work done you know lots of people chipped in did an amazing amount of things to to make this all happen so thanks everybody for making this available for listeners and for all of you i was listening to Kyle Frano's show on the way in this morning and i guess i'm not alone in saying this it seems like the quality of voice coming out of this studio is better than what we experienced in the other studio in the past. So I hope that you're hearing me and maybe hearing me um, and you've heard me a bunch before, and you think it just sounds, I I said to Steve, uh, the general manager, I just said, you know, it's almost like you're listening instead of standard definition, you're listening in high definition. It's really intriguing uh, what it sounds like, at least to me on the way in listening to Kyle's show. So, uh anyway, the show's called The Emotion Roadmap, take the wheel and control how you feel. And one of the reasons I started the show those 13 years ago was because I've learned some things about how to apply the knowledge coming from the science of emotional intelligence to people's lives in a very practical way. And I wanted to share that knowledge, not everybody can pay Uh, for someone like me to come in as a speaker or as a consultant or as a coach. So I wanted you to be able to learn how to do this if you just were willing to spend time with me twice a month when I'm on the air, 12 to 1 p.m. on Wednesdays, the first and second Wednesdays of the month. 12 to 1 p.m. on Wednesdays, the first and second Wednesdays of the month. So that's when my show, The Emotion Roadmap, Take the Wheel and Control How You Feel, is on the air. And we're WPKN eighty nine point five FM. And uh, one of the things that greeted me as I walked in the door we have this big um, drawing up on a wall, and with the statement from um, from the article that was written this, that talked about us being the best radio station in the world. It was in, there was recently uh, an article written in New York that. We're all very excited about seeing. It was really nice of the person who wrote that article. And, and we feel like we work really hard to make it the best possible version of a radio station that you can hear anywhere. Free form, open to the programmer's desires, what they want to put on the air. And for me in my talk show and what I come in and talk to you about, I decide that every week every programmer does for their shows. It's an exciting place to be. It's really different than listening to a lot of other programming that just repeats itself all, all day long with certain algorithms or certain news feeds that just keep saying much of the same thing that you might hear once in the, in the beginning of the day. You'll hear it all day long on, on a lot of other stations. Our station is so unique in what we do. And it's a privilege to be here. So again, one of the things that really works is if I get a caller who one of you out there listening right now May feel like you got something going on in your life where you're stuck. And as I started to say, smart people when I, when they're stuck, in my experience, almost always have something emotional going on. Now, the emotion may be inside yourself. It may be something that inside you is somehow worried about escalating a situation, or some t- you're torn about making a choice that maybe there's nobody else involved, or or other people are involved. But in any case, you can't decide because there's. There's reasons, good reasons, pulling you in one direction. But there are also good reasons pulling you in another direction. And there's downsides to the first choice. And there's downsides to the second choice. And somehow you keep weighing these things, but you can't decide. Or you have a conflict with someone over a decision that needs to be made. And you're trying to get something done. And you don't agree on what the best choice is. And that can be as simple as where are we going on vacation It could also be something as complicated as, um, is this the right time to retire? Should I take this new job? What will happen if we move? Will we be able to make new friends? What about the people we're close to here? There's so many things that go into lots of the decisions we make every day, and we make them, and we move forward with our lives. But every once in a while, we get stuck. And if you're stuck, one of the things that I'll do if you call me is I'll walk you through this emotion roadmap, which is starts with. So tell me a little bit about your situation. What's going on? Tell me who is key that's involved. Like are you deciding by yourself? Is it an internal conflict, or is it something to do with someone else? Is it at work? Is it at home? where is it? Who else is key to what you're trying to to get done? And then I ask, how is each person that's key feeling and how are you feeling? It's the idea of a roadmap around emotions. How are you feeling? What's your starting point? What's your starting point and how, how do you get to the place where you want to be instead of where you are? If what you're feeling isn't helpful, I help you think through what might be a better feeling for the situations you want. You see, the reason I do this is because certain feelings are better for particular tasks than other feelings. I wish there was a dictionary of, okay, so I've got to deal with a conflict with a colleague and here's what I want to feel. And there's a, there's a dictionary that, that gives you this information. You just look up conflict, look up colleague and see what feelings pop up and you choose the one that seems most relevant. Maybe someday there'll be that, but there isn't today. Um, there are some obvious things about what feelings are useful in certain certain situations better than other feelings. And at different times, I've talked about that on the show. But what I try to help everybody who calls in to do is to really think through in your situation what would be the best feeling to have to help you make a decision or to help you to move forward. And what would be the best feeling you believe would be useful or beneficial or most helpful to the people who are key to what you're trying to get done. And once we decide on what you'd like the other people to feel and what you'd like to feel yourself, that's different than how you, you and they are feeling now. Once we decide that I help walk you through, how do you get there? And the example that's an easy one to understand, I think is as a speaker, if I'm in front of an audience and I'm feeling anxious a little bit of anxiety is a good thing but if I'm feeling too anxious and I want to feel confident how do I do that how do I get from anxious to confident and I help you to figure out how to get from where you are in terms of feelings to where you need to be want to be ideally will be and once I do that with you for yourself and for the key people and who if there are any key people that are involved it actually sometimes feels like magic because all of a sudden now you have an emotional plan. And before I started talking and thinking like this, I don't think anybody was talking about emotional planning. But there's so many things, weddings, (laughs) large scale changes in organizations, a move uh, from one job to another, a move from one town to another, um, you know, uh, getting married, getting divorced, enormous changes in our lives in all kinds of ways children going off to college, children going to kindergarten for the first time. Changes everywhere. And being able to adapt is the critical competency for the near future, right? And and beyond. So many things are changing in our world so often, so quickly. It's really hard to keep up really hard to keep up and so how do you learn how to cope more effectively adapt more effectively understand how to use this emotion roadmap with whatever situation is going on in your life that's what I do on my show that's what I'd like to help people with and when I have somebody who calls in the beauty is I'm usually really good at helping you figure this stuff out by walking you through the steps in the roadmap and so not only do you benefit and feel hopeful at the end of our call. Because by the way, I don't solve necessarily the problem you're facing, but what I help you with is emotional planning to address the situation. And when you have an emotional plan where you had no idea what to do next, but now you have an emotional plan, it makes you feel hopeful. And that's critical in moving forward. But like any plan, an emotional plan based on sound reasoning will probably get you close to where you need to go, but you may have to modify it, right? Like any plan that you have plans aren't perfect, but without plans you have random chances of getting any kind of success in your life. But with plans, you have much better success. And most people recognize that, but hardly anybody has ever done any emotional planning before. And so I can help everybody learn how to do that by, Having callers. So let me see if I can get a caller. Anybody out there want to call with something that they got going on? Then I've got other topics to talk about in case I don't have anybody call in about that. But the number to call, 203-336-9756, 203-336-9756. So if you're somebody who has something going on in their life where they're stuck, typical things might be... um, you know, you got vacation coming up. You're going to be with relatives that maybe you haven't seen in a while. Oh, we got somebody calling. Great. Hi, this is Chuck Wolf. You're on the air. Who am I talking to, please?
1: Hi, this is Tom.
0: Tom, I just got to say thank you. You're the first caller in this new studio for me. So thank you. I really appreciate oh, the call. Wow,
1: well, <laughs> I feel very
0: privileged. <laughs> well, me too. So, how can I help you today, uh, okay. Tom?
1: Well, my issue is my wife. Okay. Um, I, I'm quite a bit older than she is, and don't get me wrong, we adore each other. We're going to celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary this coming year, and uh, we couldn't be happier. Well, maybe we could be. <laughs> okay. I was a smoker, yeah. and uh, I, I quit. And uh, I said, okay, well, I'd like you to quit as well. And she said, well, I'll quit when I become the age you were when you quit. Well, so that was 20 years ago. So she hasn't kept up her end of the bargain. And because she's so dear to me, I'm just so concerned that something bad is going to happen because of this smoking. Sure. And she's really hard-headed about it, and I, I just don't know what to do.
0: So let me start, I mean, I think you've been pretty clear about what's going on, and I appreciate that, Tom. Let me stop by asking you, what are the things you've already tried? Because I don't want to suggest anything that you've already tried. And well, I'm sure you've been trying for I've, a long time, so.
1: Yes, for 20 years. Yeah. Um, you know, I've just tried asking her, you know, and, and expressing my feelings, and, you know, it just doesn't seem to work.
0: So you've expressed your feelings, you've talked to her about it, and you've, you've talked to her about it recently, and that's why you're calling, because you just I had a... I imagine it gets a little heated when you bring it up, because if she's not willing, that, it gets uncomfortable when you're talking, when you bring it up.
1: Yeah, you know, She's just, uh, you know, I've suggested things like hypnotism, and, you know, all different methods that she should could try, and And she's just not going to go there. And so, I mean, uh, (laughs) I'm at a loss.
0: So let let me see if I can help you at least feel hopeful about maybe doing things a little differently than what you've done, Tom. I mean, that's the whole idea for calling in. So the, the concept that I talked about a moment ago is this idea of an emotion roadmap, and it, it starts with how are you feeling and how is she feeling? So somehow, I mean, I, I used to smoke myself years ago, and it was really hard to stop, and I stopped many years ago, but I stopped a number of times before I really stopped. Because it was really hard, and it's really hard to stop not just smoking. I don't know if you've got any other habits that you'd like to see stopped. But there, I, I mean, sometimes when I'm, when I'm teaching about this concept about stopping um, behaviors that aren't really rational, there's nothing, there's nothing that anybody could say that would make any sense that says, hey, smoking is a good thing. Nobody believes that anymore, except at some level for your wife and those who continue to smoke. There's a feeling that comes of comfort. I mean, you must remember what it, what it felt like when you'd have a cigarette we're, we're at, at certain points in the day that just felt, this is great. It makes me feel okay. It takes off the, the edge. It makes me feel like all those things are happening, right? So Something about smoking and the nicotine itself, which is physically addicting, but there's the mental addiction to it as well. So all that's in play, right? that makes sense okay so the question I always always look at it because by the way you know smoking is one terrible habit that people have but so is overeating so is over overworking, even um, over you know over drinking taking drugs I mean there's a number of things that um, are really irrational that make no sense when anybody's thinking about them but yet people have a hard time stopping themselves from those behaviors how come So the way I looked at this, and and maybe this will be helpful, Tom, is that it comes from someplace. It's kind of like peeling an onion. If you think about it, you see the behavior, you see the person reach for a cigarette. They can't be saying to themselves, man, this is so great that I'm smoking this cigarette. And yet there's another part of them that says, I can't wait to start to inhale that nicotine. And another part of them that's arguing the same messages you are giving your wife, which is, this is insane. I got to stop this. It's going to kill me at some point. And, and I know that, but still, I can't seem to stop. So what is the self-talk? This is, where, this is where it gets helpful to think about it this way. What's being said in a person's mind just before she lights that cigarette? What is she saying to herself? And why are the words that, that she's saying to herself, why are those words important to her to say? And that's because of whatever it is she's feeling. So if there's something that's driving the thoughts that lead to her lighting another cigarette... What are they? What are the feelings that are in play? And I don't know if you know what feelings those are, but maybe you can remember back. I think there was a couple of feelings that were dominating me when I smoked anyway. One was it made me feel at the time sort of cool. I mean, but that doesn't exist anymore for people. It's not cool anymore to smoke, but at one time it was. But that's sort of how it started for me. But then it was also, hey, I feel less anxious. Somehow this lowers my anxiety level. And people take all kinds of drugs to lower anxiety. So anxiety is a huge problem out there. And maybe there are other things, but at least anxiety is probably a part of it. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it does. She has a very stressful job.
0: Okay. So the question becomes, for me, when I'm trying to help people think about how to change behaviors, if you feel, in fact, I just use this example, if I'm feeling anxious and I don't want to feel anxious... What can I do to feel less anxious or even confident? Now She's just, she's just smoking, and it's make, not making her feel confident, just making her feel a little, little less anxious because of the physical attributes of smoking, not just the mental addiction. So there's some things that happen for her that come from cigarette smoking. So one of the conversations you might have that's a little different than the ones you've had in the past is, so chances are, I know and say, share what you know about, what, you know, your, your reason for smoking in the past and that you want to bring this up with her, not to tell her to stop smoking, but just to see is there some way maybe if it's coming from anxiety, from stress, and, that, and, it, and that's a piece of it, is there some way to have less stress in your life and to be less anxious? So I'm not asking you to stop, but maybe you won't smoke as much because you won't feel that need to reach for that. And while you still might reach on occasion, can you see how that might be a different kind of conversation than just saying, "Hey, you got to stop. You made this deal with me 20 years ago. You got to stop."
1: Yeah, I can see how that's different.
0: And and the reason I'm saying it that way is cuz how do you want her to feel? You want her to feel supported. And loved and cared about, and even adored, which I love that word, by the way. I think adored is, is a higher level than love. <laughs> I think adored is special. And, uh, <laughs> I really do. I, so I, I'm, I love that you said that. But, you know, so my uh, She's a special person. Yeah. And so she must know you feel that way. And, and if you approach this in the sense that, hey, I just want you to, I just want to be together with you as long as we possibly can. You already know that. But I just need to say that because I want to talk to you about smoking, but not to tell you to stop, but to try and understand what drives it. And the way I think about changing behaviors in ways that are sustainable is you got to get at the root cause. And the root cause, I think, is a lot, lots of times anxiety, stress, things like that, that drive it. Now, sometimes it just right. feels great to have a cigarette. It's not because you're anxious. It just feels great. I remember, I remember the feelings. But can you replace it with something else? Is there some other way when you're feeling anxious that we talk? that we exercise, that we go for a walk, that we watch a movie, that we watch something funny on TV or we read a book together or, or something that we can try to do that lowers the stress level. And, 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 and ask her, is there anything, and these are just some thoughts I'm having randomly, but whatever you want to do, if there's anything you can think of that will help you to feel less stress and how I can help, let's do that.
1: Terrific. Well, I thank you so much for that.
0: Well, I, I hope
1: that'll
0: it, help. I hope it works. Thanks a lot for the call, Tom. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks. <laughs> nice talking to you.
0: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, uh, thanks, thanks for the call, Tom. It's really nice to have uh, that first phone call. <laughs> and I hope other people out there that are listening get the idea of trying to see how, by being thoughtful about the emotions that are in play, that are causing some issues in your life that are challenging, that are kind of walking through these steps. You know, what are you feeling? What would be ideal to feel? How do you get from what you're feeling to what would be ideal? And what are you able and willing to do? We sort of kind of got through all that in that phone call with Tom. And I hope it works. It, it's got a chance to work, right? Because it's different than just saying, you got to stop. This is stupid, right? Well, anyway, it is stupid and you can say those things and, and it doesn't help. That's the key. It doesn't help. So saying those things just make people angry, upset with themselves, upset with you, where this is, I love you. I care about you. I want to be with you as long as we can. Is there something going on that we might lower the level of stress and anxiety in your life? Here we go. I'll get somebody else. Hi, you're on the, uh, this is Chuck Wolf. Who am I talking to please?
2: Uh, my name's Dee.
0: Hi, Dee. Thanks How for calling. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks a lot for calling.
2: Sure. Uh, so I'm in the car, and I apologize if I lose you, but I should be good. I have a question for you. I have an adult son, young adult, who um, has been experiencing some addiction problems with alcohol. Uh, he did his first recovery, and he is just not willing to accept that he has a problem, so I'm feeling very frustrated <laughs> sure. with him, as I'm sure some, a lot of our other family members are, um, and instead of you know having conversations with him all the time about how he's doing and whether he's drinking or is he going to his sessions, I'm trying to find a way to become more at peace with it and remove myself from the mother portion of it, but I'm, I'm having a really hard time with that.
0: Sure, I, and I it's obvious why you're having a hard time. I think anybody listening can can identify with how hard it is not to just want to, you know, just shake them and, and say, what are you doing to yourself? You're going to ruin your life. I mean, that's 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 how I think a mother's going to... And father, too, for that matter. Uh, you know, th- when you see something that can cause all kinds of problems... You know, physical problems and also, you know, accidents that can happen as a result of this kind of behavior. So, so lots of negatives. Now, the question is, you know, because this is a common problem, you know, it's not unusual that you have a son that's that's actually experiencing this. So, one thing I would ask you is, um, is is anything that seems to trigger it when he goes off to drink? Is it is it social? Is he an individual drinker? Does he drink alone? Does he drink with others? Is it what, what, what seems to prompt it?
2: My thoughts on it, um, he's always been, ever since he was very young, um, very resistant to talking about feelings, being able to identify them, um, you know, being able to, you know, you talked earlier about being self-aware. So he is just not one of those, he's just not wired that way. Um, It's all, you know, as he would say, kooky stuff you know therapy what's the point of talking to someone i don't want to talk to someone i can deal with it myself um i don't have to share my stuff with anybody so very resistant to that and and always has been uh and it's you know it's hard to be someone that is self-aware and you try and lead by example you know you're open about your feelings you talk about it when you're raising them and then you have this you know now adult right who's not a child anymore, who just isn't willing to embrace it. He's not willing to embrace the help that he's been given. He's not willing to embrace the the second chance that he's received by even going to recovery. Uh, And I think the biggest feeling is just this huge, overwhelming sense of frustration.
0: So let me ask you, you are you raising him by yourself, or is there a, a man involved as well, or another woman, or anybody else involved?
2: I was their primary parent. Uh, I two children. Uh, their primary parent, a single mom for a very long time. Their father was in the picture, uh, but you know, dad just wants to be a friend. Uh, no boundaries, no discipline. Um, just you know, wants to be a buddy. So da- in terms of parenting, yeah, it's, it's been you was more one-sided.
0: Does the father drink? Oh yeah. So you're dealing with, I mean, the reason I'm asking those questions is because a lot of boys want to identify with their fathers, and if their father's somewhat of the pro, of, of a problem himself, it's kind of hard for the boy to want to be different than dad.
2: Yep. No, understand. Uh, that's also an issue because, you know, when they were older, they wanted to live with him, which is understandable. Yeah. They were teenage boys. Um, they had the right to, and it was really after he moved in with him that the drinking started. It was never an issue when he was living with me. So after high school, he moved in with his dad, and it's gotten progressively worse over the past few years.
0: Is the dad, are you friendly with the dad at all? Or do you talk? Mm, no. Okay. So you can't, no. you can't plan together with the dad to, to address what's going on with your son. That wouldn't be an option.
2: No, uh, because of his own alcohol issues, which is why we're not married anymore.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, It's very – he's always the victim. There's always someone else to blame for whatever it is that is going poorly or wrong. My son is very similar in that. You know, it's not my fault. It's someone else's fault that work isn't going well or someone else's fault that, you know, he got a ticket. (laughs) Yeah as opposed to accepting it and owning it. So just trying to figure out how to, I guess, not be so so frustrated and not um, wanting to fix it right, or try and fix it.
0: Right. So as a mom, that's really hard to let go of. I mean, I, I get that. Um, it's also probably hard for him not to identify with his father. Is he still living with his father or is he on his own now?
2: No, he's still living with him.
0: So it's even more complicated than to try and change it because he's seeing that behavior repeated in the house. So what happens when you talk to him about it? Does he just kind of like blow you off? Or do you you see him regularly? How how often do you see your son?
2: I don't see him as often as I'd like. Uh, He has lost his driving privileges. So um, he is really reliant on his girlfriend driving him places. I'm willing to pick him up. He doesn't live too far from me, but I think he doesn't want to be around me as much because I think he's afraid that the conversation is going to turn to ways to help himself or get better, and he just wants to avoid it.
0: Okay, so um, what have you what have you tried so far to do with him? Just so I know not what well, not to recommend if you've already tried some things. What have you tried so far? Deal with him.
2: Well, we've we've tried the recovery. Uh, he was thirty days. Okay. Um. Came out, started drinking that afternoon.
0: As, as, soon, um, as soon as he left recovery.
2: Yep. Yeah.
0: Did you talk to the recovery people?
2: Uh. Because he's not a minor.
0: So you, um, you can't, okay.
2: I, I'm really just, you know, I'm kind of far removed. I have, a, I have a really hard time with a lot of the recovery centers that are out there because I don't think that they are doing really what they should be for more of the young adults that um, I think need more help, need more guidance than perhaps an older adult. You know, it was, well, he gets counseling once a week, and if he wants more, he can come to us. There aren't too many young adults that are going to willingly ask for more counseling sessions. Um, So I, I was a little disappointed in that. And also, too, in being able to talk to someone, you know, more about where it all stems from. A little more digging. It was, you know, I don't want to talk about it. And they said, okay, well, fine. You know, come back when you want to talk about it. Let me, uh, I know.
0: Go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Well, I I know a big portion of becoming sober or getting over any addiction is really on the, the individual's shoulders, right? They have to want it bad enough. Right. Uh, but from an outsider's perspective, it's like how do you
0: how do you change that perception? So the way how that, can you help change that? Right. So the way this works is that you know, at least the, you know, from my perspective, in terms, in terms of trying to help you, is one is um, you. There's a couple of things. One is you've talked about being frustrated, and you'd like to be less frustrated, and I think you'd like to feel successful that you'd found some way to connect to your to your son in a way that helped him to be a more um, well, to be safer, really, in, in, in terms of what's going on with his life, but also to, to feel you want your son to feel supported and also comfortable with his feelings. I mean, that's another thing that you asked about. Um, and and he's living with his father, who is a role model for a lot of the things that he's now experimenting with and 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 sort of adapting to be more like dad. I mean, this isn't probably even conscious for him, but just it just happens. So the question of how do you motivate somebody in those circumstances, I was trying to think is there any kind of leverage that you have and and so far there isn't except I wanted to ask you what do you have any relationship with this girlfriend uh, minimal and how do you get along even if it's minimal
2: oh fine
0: and what is your what you what are your thoughts about her
2: i don't know her well enough I, I she's she's been around for a long time they dated in high school they broke up they got back together and they've been together since the challenge though is that she lives with him in his father's home
0: interesting <laughs> <Yes. laughs> no uh, let me let me ask a question would it be if in case anything was to change and for some reason you're successful and you're in having your son want to maybe move back with you, would you be willing to have his, his her her, and your son move back with you?
2: So it's an interesting question that you ask. Um, my husband and I purchased an investment condo this past year and we offered it to my son and his girlfriend as a way to get them out of where they are to kind of start paying rent and our thoughts are well if you want to act as a couple living together then you need to behave as a couple living together so our son is more than welcome to live with us but not with the girlfriend
0: now this is your current husband you have a you have a second husband I do yes okay that's what that's what you were talking about just okay so um yeah. But well, let me ask. Let so they me, asked, go, go ahead. What? They
2: opted not to. They opted not to to do that um, for their own reasons, which I respect. Um, but it's you know, for me, I, I, we wouldn't mind if you know she the girlfriend came over and spent a couple of nights or was, had a vacation. But if they are going to be together, they should be living together, sharing their expenses, um, being
1: responsible.
0: Well, let's um, let's let's assume for a moment that th- what you want to have happen is possible, but it's not an immediate next step. That there are steps along the way to get you there. Is that worth talking about? Sure. So right now you have no leverage with your son. It sounds like to me. He's with his dad. I would agree with that. Yeah, and and when i suggested maybe having the girlfriend live with the, the father's willing to let the girlfriend live with the son so that's a big win for your son and, and i mean not 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 realistically but it feels that way to him right now Sure. And, and you're saying i'm not willing to have her live with my son here i think you want to rethink that and let me tell you why because I, I know, you, I'm sure you have reasons, and they're probably good reasons, but let me just suggest that with the idea being that at some point they're ready to step off and go into that condo and do, and do what you said, that there's a transition that has to happen. He has to get away from the embrace of his dad and this victimization and this drinking and, and see a normal, what, what is hopefully a healthy relationship with a man and a woman, and that's you and your husband. And if you were willing, because the only levels you have is the girlfriend, right? And that's why I said, what is your relationship like? If you allowed that to happen, and this might go against the grain for you and your husband, I don't know. But I'm just suggesting this is at least a possibility to think about. Because if you were willing to take them in and they saw a healthy relationship and you said to her that one of the reasons I want to take you in... And which is, you know, for me, I'd rather I'd rather do it a different way. But I want I'd like to take you in because I'm worried that my son's going to end up as an alcoholic and then you and he won't be able to stay together. And if you both want to be able to stay together, I want you here in a place where there's a where where there's a marriage that's working. And I want to I want to model that for you and help you get yourself together and help him to be accountable and take care of himself and I, and I want I want to, I want to do that with you I want to partner with you on that what do you think about talking to my son about coming home okay Just, <laughs> that was easy well it's okay but I mean is that something that makes any sense to you
2: it does make sense i, I it would have to be a conversation to have with my husband the the setup of the home where he is right. Where my son is right now is very different. They have the whole basement kind of to themselves, so it's private. Yeah. Uh, and in our home, it would not be that way.
0: So there's complications. And I mean, I don't mean to make this sound simple, but, it, you know, I'm trying to, and maybe it doesn't have to be that they live with you, but I think the idea of somehow partnering with this young woman, because that's the leverage you have, because your son, if he's been with her that long, he does not want to lose her. But if she's realistic and you, and she believes that you're or you have her interest in mind and your sons, and you don't want her to experience what you experienced with his father, and you'd love for them to have a great relationship like you have with your your current husband, um, is there some way we could do more together? We could be more more with you. Somehow you and I could plan to help to But I think if as long as he's living under his dad's roof. It's not going to be really hard to change that behavior. But if, if his girlfriend said, why don't we go live with your mom and her husband? And let's try that for a while and see if we can get ourselves to a place where, you know, it's not going to be that comfortable, as comfortable as it is here. But I want to I want to own our own place. I want to live in our own place. I want to be able to take care of ourselves. I want to have a life with you. And I don't think it's going to happen if we stay in your dad's place. Right. Does that no, make sense? it's
2: a, it's definitely it's definitely an option um, yes okay I, not to discount that I still I'm still in that in that mindset of just frustrated with because I, I don't think he's at a place where he wants to get better and so again as a mother I'm trying to figure out how to move forward and leave that frustration behind so I can have just a good relationship with him, whatever time I get to spend with him, whether the move in works out or not.
0: My my thought D is that you want to partner with this young woman because that's the best chance you have of making that happen. Okay. So at least think about that. Right. It doesn't have to be. I, I don't want to tell you you should move in. That's a huge issue. And but but at the same time, I, I you know part of me is realistic. And 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 if the if the young man your your son stays with his dad and his dad's got all these behaviors, it doesn't end well for the young woman. That's that's part of it. That's the seal, right? it yep. do, It doesn't end no, well. No, I agree. And so I don't know if maybe getting them to go into the, the condo and maybe you you cover the cost for a little bit or for a period of time, if you can, you know, or something that helps them out to make that if you don't, if it doesn't really make any sense to move into your home. Because that's a whole conversation with your your husband that, you know, it, it's going to upset a lot of things that, that won't be easy. Um, but you want to save your son. And I get that. And your son's in a head in a direction that sounds pretty damaging and if the young woman it all feels like what you're saying makes sense and she's worried about it too and she be if she comes on your side your son's got some choices to make and he'll, and and you yes. and you'll have some leverage and so will she and this isn't just for you it's also for her and him at some point if that's what's going to happen right
2: no it's a good way to approach it uh your your suggestion so i thank you for that cuz i really I, We've thought about it, but I don't think i, I really looked at it the way that you posed it um, as using her as leverage.
0: <laughs> well yeah, but so. but but, but I, I, that sounds manipulative, but it, it really isn't because I think I think it's you really have her interest in mind too. I mean, it really it's a win for her if she does this, and I think she can't well, yes. she can't and- win if she stays with them where she is.
2: Yeah. And I don't, I wasn't, uh, I don't Im- mean to imply that that manipulation was in a negative way. It was a positive way.
0: Yep. Yep. So that's a really funny. Let me just say this to you before we close the, in the world that I live in, in this world of emotions, language really matters. And if I ask somebody, uh, are you comfortable influencing somebody? Absolutely. Are you comfortable manipulating somebody? I would never do that. Well, they're really not that different. <laughs> so, right. it's really about trying to get somebody to change a behavior, but the difference often is if I'm trying to manipulate somebody, it's just because I want something from them. If I'm trying to influence somebody, I want something from them still, but I also want something for them. And that's different. And I think that's that's what I'm emphasizing on. This is a win for her if she if she understands what you're saying to her and she recognizes that that the the you know, the trail she's on is this isn't going to end well.
2: Understand. Thank you. And I, it is a, a good suggestion. So it will be a conversation that I have with my husband today.
0: Okay, great. Well, thanks for calling, Dee. I really appreciate it. You have a great day.
2: Thank you. Best of luck with the new studio.
0: Thank you so much. Bye-bye now. Bye. Okay, well that was Tom and Dee and two very nice calls. Thanks thanks you, thank you for calling in. I've got a few minutes before I, I leave for the day. I leave at 12:55. Um and it's 12:48, so if you if you want to call, this is your last chance to call 203-336-9756. 203-336-9756. One of the things I really like about the calls is that, you know, you never know who's going to call, or what they're going to call about and when when I'm listening to people and I'm listening to Tom and I'm listening to Dee, I'm thinking, how can I help? Is there something I might say that would be helpful? I mean, obviously, people that are stuck in situations are stuck for good reasons, right? It isn't obvious what you should do to tell somebody to stop smoking or who continues to smoke despite the fact that it makes no sense and everybody gets that and yet they're still smoking. I have a very good friend myself right now that's smoking and he's one of the smartest guys I know. He's a young man, a relatively young man. And, um, you know, we've talked a little bit about it, but... You know, I don't know him well enough to try and change his behavior. Um, And I know he's got a tremendous amount of stress that he's under because there's a lot of problems in his family, a lot of um, physical health issues as well as some mental health issues. And so uh, (laughs) smoking probably feels great to him, you know, but it's it's not an answer. It's not really an answer. It's a deviation that's harmful. And while it might seem helpful in the moment, it doesn't really help in the long run. And it's, it's problematic and might cause, you know, it was likely to cause actually all kinds of problems going forward. So that's challenging, right? And then the one that we just listened to with Dee and her son, boy, if he's living with his dad and his dad does all these things, chances of him changing unless you get him out of there are pretty slim in my mind. That's why I think it's so important to consider some kind of alternative to help get out and the girlfriend seemed like, the, the. I mean, again, she's invested in him. And if she wants to have a good life with him, which I'm guessing, of course, she would want, then she's probably realizing at some point that staying where she is is not going to be the way to get there. Now, so it's, it's always challenging, but I love it if I can give you something to think about that's helpful, that helps move you in a direction where you, you wouldn't have got to on your own, but just talking you through about how is it people are feeling, how do you want to feel? Hi, this is Chuck. You're on the air. Who am I talking to, please?
3: Hi, Chuck. My name is Chris. How are you?
0: I'm good, Chris. Thanks for calling. How can I help you?
3: Um, well, my wife of uh, five years, who I've been living with since uh, 2012, when she bought the house that we're in, has asked me to find my own place. Um so she can have time to heal. We've been seeing a couples counselor for a couple of years uh, about various issues, m- many of which I'm finding and talking to friends are quite common issues: um, prioritizing uh, chores and other, you know, household duties, budgeting, uh, spending things like that, uh, initiating conversations, uh, things like that. So, you know, my friends are saying, oh, that's not fair. You should not move out. You should, you know, close with COVID um, and the hot real estate markets, making it very difficult to find a place. Um I'm not sure I'd want to move in with a friend at this point. Sure. So it's all complicated.
0: So, Chris, I am just—I know I only have like a minute, two and a half minutes or something left, so I don't know if I can help you all very much now. You're welcome to call back in a week when I'm back in, but here's something to think about, okay? Thank you. One of the things that I have recommended to people in the past, and I'll just say this, and I I don't have a lot of time to explain it, but I can say more about it if you want to call back, is there's a time in life where you ask yourself in a relationship, what's my responsibility? Percentage-wise, what what is my responsibility for making this work? And what is my wife's responsibility? And a lot of people will say something like 50-50. You know, it's it's fifty percent me, fifty percent her. It makes a hundred. Uh, some people who think of themselves as enlightened will say it's a hundred percent me, but it's also a hundred percent her, and that feels mm-hmm. like I'm doing you know doing more. And then others will say, well, it's actually thirty percent for me and seventy percent for her, or whatever. The way I want to suggest for you to think about and maybe actually do, if you're comfortable with this, is to assume a hundred percent on your part. For turning this around and making it work again. And 0% on her. And what I mean by that is that you take full responsibility for turning it around. If she happens to do something that you like, that you appreciate, that she does for you, that's great. But don't expect it. And the reason I say, if you say a 100, you say 90, 10, and then something doesn't go right, then you're going to say, well, that was her 10% that screwed it up. If you say 100-0, it's never her fault. And if you start operating as if that's real and that's the way you want life to be, it's going to turn around in her mind about you are doing so many things for me in ways that you weren't before. Whatever it is, whatever she asks, whatever you can do to make it work, you take 100-0 and you have a chance of turning that around.
3: All
0: right. I hope that helps. Give me a call back after a week if you want. I got to go. <laughs> Thanks, Chuck. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye. Well, that's my show for today, folks. Thanks so much for Chris and Dee and Tom for calling in. It's been great being with you, and uh, I wish you all a wonderful experience going forward, and, uh, and I'll talk to you next week.